When the art day gets rough, you just gotta keep on punching. And here's your Thunder Punch Daily with Jersey Droz. It took a while, but I made it back. I'm back with doing Thunder Punch Daily, at least for this one. And if you've been listening to these all in a row and you're like, what What do you mean it took you a while to get back? Uh, last time I recorded one of these was in November of 2014, and now it is October 2015. So almost a year since I've done uh, Thunder Punch Daily, this microcast where I share thoughts, uh, audio essays on making comics, visual storytelling. Why did it, am I breaking the silence now? Why am I coming back? Well, it's actually to ask for help with something. Um, if anybody's been listening to this show for any amount of time, you know, or if you've been following me on Twitter, Jersey on Twitter, or on Instagram, Jersey Drozd, um, jdrozd.com, right? You know that uh, I've been working on this webcomic called Boulder and Fleet Adventures for Hire, which you can find at boulderandfleet.com. It's been almost a year, almost a year since I started the webcomic. Um, and it's been a lot of fun, and it's been... Um, it's become, it's become a source of great passion for me. It's something I really care a lot about. And this is where we lead into the help thing. So this is where I drop the news that I've launched a Patreon campaign for Boulder and Fleet. And that's at patreon.com slash jersey. Don't go there yet because I want to talk a little bit about this. Why do I want to do an essay on why I'm running a Patreon and how I'm running a Patreon? Well, for one... I'm actually pretty fascinated by other artists' rationale and strategy for doing this. So like in the last several months, I've been stealing time here and there to do my own personal comparative analysis of how other people run crowdfunding campaigns. Um, oh, and I should say, Patreon, if you don't know what that is, it's sort of like Kickstarter, but for an ongoing project, right? You pledge a certain amount to be don uh, given every month or every time a new thing drops. In my case, it's every month. Um, and that goes to support the creation of an ongoing thing like a webcomic, right? And sometimes there's physical rewards. Sometimes there's digital rewards. Sometimes there's no rewards. Depends on what the, uh, the Patreon creator wants to do. And this is where I get into that comparative analysis that I've been doing. I've been reading and watching and listening to a lot of what creators have to say about the way they run their campaigns. And it's super, super fascinating to hear why they make the choices that they make. Not trying to evaluate, who, evaluate who's right and who's wrong, but look at the kind of stuff they do and the way they think about doing it. And <laughs> when it came time to launch my Patreon, I thought, well, I got to figure out some ways to get the word out about this thing. Well, maybe I'll do an audio essay on Thunder Punch Daily about how and why I'm doing this, this Patreon. And I thought, eh, you know, that, that, might be, that might feel like I'm doing an ad for my stuff. First of all, why would that be such a bad thing after all? Because um, if I'm providing something of value through this podcast, then telling people to like, here's the next step you can take to get a richer experience out of the stuff that I make. That's not such a bad thing, is it? Okay, well, maybe, maybe some people would think that that's crass marketing. But funny that I would hesitate to promote my own stuff. That's telling. But also what's telling is, is uh, funny that I would be afraid to ask for help. Ask for help through this particular podcast through the essay and also just in a general sense of launching a Patreon, right? I felt a lot of resistance in leading up to this thing, really hemming and hawing like, oh, I want to do this absolutely right if I do it at all, right? And I know on many of the podcasts I've done in the past on Lean Into Art, on Comics Are Great uh, for the last couple of years, 
have been talking with other comics creators, trying to suss out how they feel about it, so I can start to piece together like uh, a, a framework, uh, an approach for tackling the idea myself. Right. So why would I feel afraid? Well, okay, there's some, maybe some obvious reasons that I would feel reluctance or fear about asking for help in a public way like this. Like, please support my thing. Uh, one is like, you know, being a guy from the Midwestern United States of the generation that I'm part of, there can be a sense of shame associated with needing help. Right. Well, obviously your comic isn't that good. Otherwise a company would have bought it or, or, you know, paid you in advance for it. Right. And so for me to say like, uh, Hey readers, could you help me make this thing? is sort of like a unofficial admission that the thing's not that marketable. Not true, right? I mean, it's just there's a lot of different factors there, but that can be that can be part of that dirty little narrative we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of doing something sometimes. Or just the general sense of like, well, must not be able to I don't I don't got what it takes uh to do this thing professionally or or get other professional gigs, so I have to go begging around with a tin cup, right? Um, but that's not what crowdfunding is meant to be. Crowdfunding is supposed to be sort of a direct way of funding. Because if I got the book published, let's say, okay, let's say a publisher did say, hey, Jersey, here's $12,000, $25,000, $30,000 to make the book. I got my advance. I can live on that. I make the book and I put it out. Now I got to go out anyway and tell people, hey, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book, right? To get people to pay off the advance so I can start making some darn royalties on the thing. Right? Either way, I'm going to the public, and in the case of the publisher, there's just a third party in there who's sort of handling the transactions for me. And as a matter of fact, it gets even more complicated because in some cases, if I sell the book directly myself at conventions, in certain ways it can work against you because those sales don't count against your book scan numbers. There's a whole bunch of like... Uh, craziness around that like the way you're if you get published through the traditional publishing industry uh, the trade publishing market uh, the way your books have to be sold right so so it's not panhandling it's sort of just like a direct it's it's, it's a direct uh, value exchange right and what's more is like it's it's a direct value exchange with the people who get the most out of the thing so i don't have to go make commercials on television about this thing necessarily although if i had the money who knows maybe um but it's a way to say like, hey, you person who gets the most out of what I do, this is a way for you to have a direct exchange with me and then I can provide extra value in, through the feedback that you, that you create through this transaction, which I'll get into in more detail when I talk about how I'm doing this thing. What else am I afraid of? Uh, fear of commitment. When I'm doing this as a webcomic and I'm not getting paid, there is very little to stop me from taking a week off right? Uh, I'm sick. Uh, freelance, got, got too much freelance came in, too many other uh, things uh, competing for my time. I'm doing it for free anyway. You know, nobody's getting hurt. There's, I'm not violating any contract by taking a week off. But uh, almost a year of doing this, I found that it is very difficult for me to take a week off because I feel that commitment whether or not it's written out, right? So uh, having never missed an update for, you know, almost a year. I feel like, okay, well, I'm pretty committed to this thing. It's not that big a deal, but that is a fear. That is fear. The moment I make the exchange a financial one, I am accountable to somebody. And this, this is something I've talked about in a lot of other podcasts. Uh, part of the, I don't know if this is cognitive dissonance or if this is just like a general kind of like sense of fear, but let's say, Let's 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 set a page rate. Let's set a page page rate of let's say I I want to make 
$1,000 a page, right? And which means like $4,000 a month. It's pie in the sky kind of thing. Uh, and that's how this thing becomes sustainable. And I make this commitment. I'm going to do it. People are going to give me money. Five people sign up. I'm making 25 bucks a month on it, right? So like, like less than you know, five bucks, something like that a page. Well, that's nowhere near what I needed to make this thing sustainable, but I'm still accountable, right? Or am I? Right. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky place to be. But the reason I was able to push forward and actually commit to doing it is because I, I noticed that I'm committed anyway. I'm at least committed to four pages a month. Um, and we'll talk more about that and like, you know, about wanting to do more in a minute. But and then, then another fear, I think a, a substantial one, and I think one that probably a lot of people fear, uh, a lot of a, a fear a lot of people share, I should say, is failing in public. There is going to be a leaderboard. There is good. If you go to patreon.com slash jersey, there is a public record of how much support I've managed to draw, uh, drum up for myself, right? How many people are willing to throw down money on this thing? And, you know, if I say, like, and I've got milestones on there, uh, you know, this is, these are the milestones I want to hit, and none of them get hit. And I say, this is what it takes to make this thing sustainable, and I don't come anywhere near that. You know, it's, it's easy to see how well I'm doing. So failing in public, right? That, that's, that, that's not a comfortable place to be. But, but something I tell my students all the time is failure is awesome because it teaches you things, right? Um, so the, I think the way I circumvented that fear is I said to myself, well, you know, if a month in, things not doing that awesome, you can tweak it. <laughs> right this isn't set in stone this is a malleable thing and if you decide after six months that it's not working at all and it's you can't figure out how to make it work you do something else and that's not to say that i'm going to be willy-nilly about my commitments but my major commitment is to the book figuring out how to monetize that is something that is malleable right so okay so 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 much then for fears, right? Fears is, it, it, it's natural. It's a feeling I can't kill you. It's like hunger, to quote Remo Williams. Um, but at the top, I said, you know, I'm actually fascinated by other artists' uh, rationale and strategies. So let's let's do that. Let's talk, let's talk about mine. What, what are, what's my rationale and how am I doing it? So why am, did I finally decide that I need to launch a Patreon? Well, one, the big one. And actually, I put this one first, though. This is one of those ones that we kind of come to later in the game. Uh, is the work has value. You know, I'm drawing what I consider to be some of the best comics I've ever done. Uh, I finished these Boulder and Fleet pages, and I'm, I'm really satisfied with them. Are they perfect? No, but they shouldn't be. Um, if I ever draw the perfect page, then why draw another page after that? But I feel like they're, they're pretty darn good, and I, I'm very satisfied with that experience. Uh, to quote Jake Parker in his web series, and you should, if, if you haven't checked out his uh, YouTube series where he inks and then does his own audio essays... Um, you do need to check it out. I'll link to it in the show notes. But he talks about like the nourishment of the work. How does it nourish you? Well, Boulder Fleet is immensely nourishing to me. And I know that it has an intrinsic value on its own through it, it, at the very least the quality of the work. And I've gotten a lot of positive feedback from people who have said that, you know, it's very pleasing to read, right? So the work has value and therefore it's not unreasonable for me to request a value exchange, value for value, right? Um, Currently, this is reason number two, the, the comic is, I mean, you could really think of it as being subsidized by my freelance work and my teaching work, right? How am I keeping a roof over my head? Through doing freelance illustration 
in comic book work and teaching comics classes, which is pretty awesome. That's a great way to make a living. I get to think about comics almost all the time. Super cool. But, you know, when it comes down to it, uh, would I rather be doing storyboards for TV commercials or would I rather be drawing Boulder and Fleet? Um, here's a way I like to think about it. Let's go back to value for a second. Um, when I do storyboards for a TV commercial, right? So like I just did some storyboards a while back for like a university, for like a commercial to like, why you should go to their university. And, uh, and it was it was a pretty fun job. I mean, it was like it was stretching my artistic muscles and like doing lots of action shots and everything. It was all the stuff that I feel like I'm good at, but the stuff I want to always level up at. And uh, I finish the work and I get paid. Now, who benefits from this transaction? Well, the ad agency who hired me, the university who uses those storyboards to shoot their commercial, and me, because I get money for the skills that I have in order to help pay the bills and you know keep clothes on my back and food on the table and so on, right? Does the public benefit from that really? Um, kind of in the sense that I guess they see like a, a well-shot commercial, maybe, but... How does the public benefit, like, how does the, the public benefit change between when I do freelance work and when I do the work that really comes from, like, this center inside of me, right? Not to get too poetic about it or too highfalutin, but seriously, if I'm making Boulder Fleet, you're getting, like, the most direct expression of what I hold to be my, like, most cherished values. And if I am able to express that without any intermediary, uh... Who, how does the benefit change between doing that and drawing something for somebody else to promote their business, right? Um, now, you could argue that, well, nobody benefits from Bold and Fleet because it's not a very good comic or I don't like that kind of comic. Well, that, <laughs> you're, that's your opinion and that's one opinion, but I'm saying like in a general sense, like if everybody's able to communicate honestly and directly, I think that there's more, there is intrinsically more value in there, right? Through that, that direct transfer. But anyway, the big idea is, is that the work that I get paid for by private entities is what is covering my time that I'm squirreling away to work on Boulder and Fleet. And it, I would be able to do more Boulder and Fleet if it was subsidizing itself, if it was a sustainable thing on its own, right? And that's where we get to the, the next reason is I, I'd like to do more of it. Four pages a month is, I can, I can handle it. I'm doing fine with that kind of a commitment. But when I finish these pages and I'm doing, you know, you've, anybody who's seen them, they're these square pages. You can only fit maybe three panels comfortably on, on that aspect ratio and the size I'm doing it. So I want to make it something that you can read on, the, on a phone. Uh, and I have fit as many as seven panels sometimes on the page. But, you know, you, you, there are some sacrifices you have to make. There's, there's compromises and trade-offs in trying to fit more actual moments per page versus the kind of art that you get to do and the kind of dialogue you get to fit on the page. And it's, it's, a, wonderful, uh, it's a wonderful creative challenge to work within those parameters. But when I finish some pages sometimes where there's not much is going on on the page or not much is happening moment to moment... Uh, I feel this desire like, boy, if only I could drop two pages this week because there's a payoff on this next page that, you know, waiting a whole week for, um, not as satisfying. Now, since somebody could go ahead and wait for two months and then just read it all in one go, but I mean, they wouldn't have to wait so long if I was producing more and I would be able to produce more if I didn't have to set aside so much time to do the freelance work to keep the roof over my head, right? That's just mathematics. Um... And then there's like more of an abstract reason. Let's get into this kind of like, this is like 
I don't know what's going to happen with this, but uh, but let's just like sort of like play pretend for a second and just imagine down the road. So some common wisdom that gets thrown around is that publishers uh, want proof of an audience, right? So if you have a strong social media presence, if you have a lot of followers and you have a lot of people resharing your stuff, if you got a ton of Tumblr followers and they are, they're all resharing your posts, that's evidence to the publisher that you are a marketable entity, that they can make money off of the, the content that you create, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's not the only signal that they look for, but it is a data point. It's, it's part of the overall package that you bring to uh, you know, a discussion with a publisher about the work. They want good work, and they want work that they can, that they can find the market for, but they also want to know that you have an audience already, right? Which is kind of frustrating sometimes because it means that it almost raises this question of like you got to be famous before you can be famous kind of thing. Not that fame is the the thing that we're looking for necessarily. Like all I want is just for my books to get in the hands of the audience that I intended for. But uh, but yeah, there's this kind of pressure sometimes of like you got to be famous before you can get the chances to get the work to the wider audience, which is which raises the question of well, then why would I even need a publisher, right? But let's just let's just say this for a second, okay? So if I make a successful Patreon campaign, I've got my data point. I've got evidence that look, there's an audience who not only likes the work, but they're willing to financially support the work, which gives the, uh, the comic a better chance of finding a publishing home. But again, I go back to that question I just muttered a second ago, is that if that's the case, if this thing becomes financially sustainable, do I even need a publisher anymore? That's a question I will address when we get to that particular bridge, right? Uh, it's all part of the experimentation and the test of this thing. I mean, I really do feel like this is, this is a test. It's a test of the comic. It's a test of me. And it's a test of the comic's viability in the, in the market. To, to quote Rob in the latest uh, Lead Into Art cast, episode 138, where he talked about, you know, um, desirability, feasibility, and viability as being like the three hypothesis test of a project. So th- those are like a lot of the whys I'm thinking about as I do this thing. Um, Oh, I guess there's one more. There's one more why. You know, the Boulder and Fleet is currently host, hosted on Tumblr. I'm using Tumblr as my web comics uh, engine content management system, uh, mostly because I don't want to have to think about plugins, updating software. I love that the 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 software is just it's all taken care of on their end, and all I got to do is just think about posting my content to it. And yeah, you make some sacrifices in terms of user experience and your own experience in like you know customizing the site and everything. But you know, Tumblr is pretty customizable. And then the other aspect of it that I really like is that Tumblr is sort of built for people who like to share images. And you know, Boulder and Fleet is a series of images that I hope people will share. So right, there's a lot to attract me to that platform. Uh, but what it doesn't do, at least with the, the webcomics plugin or theme that I'm using, is it doesn't really permit like a lot of blogging. Like you can post the comics and you can post comments under the, com- the comics, but there's not like a separate blogging uh, category. And I, I could make a blog.boulderandfleet.com if I wanted to, um, but uh, it, it feels like it'd be too separate from the main site. And also, uh, I just feel like sometimes... Like it's it's a matter of like sifting through like what's bloggable and what's not bloggable. That's like another point of friction that I don't know if I really have a ton of time to sift through right now. But with Patreon, I'm setting up an explicit, uh, you know, entry fee to get in. You have to really care about this stuff 
to get into this thing, right? You got to care at least a dollar a month, which that's not an insubstantial amount of money, right? Uh, parting with a dollar to three dollars a month is actually, you know, like that, that you have to make a decision there. You have to decide, is this thing valuable to me in order to be able to make that commitment, right? And so by setting up that barrier to entry, I'm sort of saying, I'm sort of creating a self-selecting mechanism to say, okay, these people really do care about all the, that goes into this comic. They probably wouldn't mind if I'm blasting them with a whole bunch of like in-process sketches, layered uh, Photoshop files, audio essays, verb, you know, written essays on the making of the comic. That's probably something they would care about. So the Patreon becomes like, this is another why, is like it becomes sort of like a user, a user forum for the comic. Now, back in 2003 when I was doing the front online or working on um, the front, the web comic, uh, I had a user forum. I had a PHP BB forum and uh, it was immensely rewarding to have a place to talk with the people who cared most about the work. And I feel like that's what this Patreon could be. Um, and then again, that simple dollar a month thing can become this wonderful way to keep out the the, the people who don't care that much about it and who just want to like maybe... They, they can do the, the comments on the Tumblr and the Google Plus feed, right? Uh, if you just want to do like a drive-by comment, like good, like, whatever. But if you're looking for something a little bit more in-depth, like I'm creating uh, a designated place for that kind of experience. That kind of, the thing I say in the, the Patreon video is, uh, you know, it's a richer experience when you get called along for the journey of making the thing. DVD extras and so on, right? Hearing behind-the-scenes stuff. How did Ben Burt come up with the sound of Jabba the Hutt's tongue? Oh, we smooshed around a casserole in the bottom of a trash can, that kind of thing. Now let's talk about how. Let's talk about how, because I've been going on for a while now. This is going to be a little bit of a longer Thunder Punch Daily, but um, I am almost done. How am I doing it? How am I thinking about this? So one of the other things that was a point of resistance in starting a Patreon was the fact that explicitly they say this is something to, uh, it's a simple way to arrange for funding for the thing you're already doing. And they heavily stress this. They have a best practices section where they heavily stress this. They say, don't knock yourself out making extra stuff, right? Like rewards, like in Kickstarter campaigns. Like, oh, well, if you pledge at the $25 level, you get this. If you pledge at the $50 level, you get that, right? I'm going to make bookmarks. I'm going to send you a drawing. I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll uh, sign a pizza and send it to you. Um, so they, you know, in Patreon, as opposed to Kickstarter, they really stress that this is to uh, get funding for the stuff that's already happening. And if you do do extra stuff, like reward tiers, don't knock yourself out doing that. Don't, don't well, maybe they don't, they don't say don't knock yourself out. They say just be careful not to overexert yourself or overextend yourself. Be, be mindful of your bandwidth. And as I said, I'm already in a situation where four pages is all I can pull off. So well, what kind of extra things would I do? And I remember I was sort of sussing it out one day, like just thinking aloud in front of uh, Rob Stenzinger, my buddy on the Lunatic Art cast. And uh, Rob, such a good friend because he very gently course corrected me. I was sitting there thinking about, okay, I could do these kind of rewards, I could do those kinds of rewards in order to incentivize participation of the thing. And Rob said, you know, what you're really trying to do here is you're creating a way to say to the world, if you believe in the art that I make, join me in the journey of making it which sounds like a soft sell, but that is what I'm doing, right? Uh, if I turn this into a hard sell, then I'm making my full-time job selling the Patreon instead of making the comic. Um, and the soft sell is in its way a hard sell because it's really kind of calling, are you somebody who's really responding to this thing? Well, here's a thing for you, right? Without me having to say, what do I got to do to get you in this Patreon? Uh, so 
that was the first thing is like the, the how I'm doing it is I'm being very explicit about the statement of I am not saying that uh, if we reach this milestone up front, if we reach this, I'm going to do 20,000 pages a month. It's more like, look, do you believe in this thing? Do you believe in me? Do you believe, you know, do you want to be part of this journey? Here it is, right? That's that's the, the, the narrative I chose. And then how did I think about milestones or rewards? Because that's one of those kind of confusing things about these campaigns. It's like, okay, you got to set milestones to incentivize people to get other people to sign up and join the, the you know, the campaign to get to these milestones, unlock new things. And there's rewards, rewards are things that you give different people for different tiers, right? Milestones are like the big thresholds you want to reach. And the rewards are things you give to different tiers of funding that you get, right? You get, you pledge $5, you get this, you pledge $10, you get that, etc. And so after looking at a whole bunch of different campaigns, I realized that, okay, milestones are the prizes that everybody gets. As more funding comes in and more funding unlocks these things that these are rewards for everyone, the public. And rewards are things that only some people get, right? If you pledge $10 a month, you get access to the secret area where I'm going to share secret stuff with you because you're really on board with this thing, right? You, the, the, the pledge amount becomes a level of commitment that should receive some kind of reciprocation. Um, so as things get unlocked, a richer journey is made available to the, to the ones who are interested and the people who like come to the Patreon page um, and to the world at large for those who are interested in like, you know, like, so like one of the milestones actually on the Patreon is, uh, more Thunder Punch dailies doing it on a regular basis so that I can, you know, share essays on making comics while I'm working on Boulder and Fleet. Right. Uh, and that would be a public, a public benefit, right. Uh, for those who consider it a benefit, <laughs> but, um, but as, as the different reward, reward tiers go up, uh, there's a different, uh, sort of, connection or uh kind of content exchange in, in gratitude for the level of commitment that that person's showing so like for instance in one of them uh like the ten dollar or more level you get access to a private channel where i'm gonna have a you know a, a chat channel where i'm gonna check in once a week or once a month or uh, actually i gotta sort that out i think it's gonna be it's gonna be on a regular basis where i'll be like making time to chat directly with the people who enjoy the stuff that i'm doing um but that'll be a private thing, right? So milestones, public good, rewards, private good. And then the other aspect about rewards that I was, uh, that Rob kind of steered me toward, um, you know, again, in his wonderful, gentle way, but it was just, it was very, uh, it really helped straighten me out and helped me think through this thing a lot more clearly is looking for the incidental things, uh, the artifacts in the making of the thing that can become rewards. Artifacts, that normally you wouldn't share publicly because only 2% of that audience is going to care. Like if I go into my Twitter followers and let's just, let's just guess, let's, let's say like 40% of them are like interested in Boulder and Fleet, right? Cause like people follow me for a lot of reasons. Sometimes because they're a former student of mine, sometimes because they like the audio podcasts that I do, right? Sometimes because, um, you know, they just, they, I'm somebody in Ann Arbor who talks about Ann Arbor events right? Uh, it could be a variety of reasons, but let's say 40% of them follow me because they like the comics that I do. Um, let's winnow it down even further. How many of those people really care if I share a layered PSD file to, uh, to unload my process, right? Like let people get firsthand, firsthand access to my process and pick apart what I've done to see how they could reverse engineer it and, and incorporate it into their own work, right? Uh, substantially smaller audience, potentially, Right. So uh, 
these are things that I could share publicly, but they wouldn't do that much good. But they would do a, a much more, a much more, um, uh, a greater good to the audience who is committed enough to join at a different reward tier on Patreon. So it's about looking for artifacts in the making of the thing. And that's where I get to like this launch month. So I, why did I choose October to kick this thing off? One, because it's the one year anniversary of the launch of the comic. And that's always nice. That has like a certain kind of resonance and it feels good to do things on an anniversary, right? Uh, but two is October is Inktober. Inktober is that event launched by Jake Parker where we're all, all of us cartoonists are challenged to do one ink drawing a day for the month of October. And so I decided, okay, I'll do ink sketches on Bristol and it'll be a Boulder and Fleet themed month, which is what I did last year. A whole bunch of Boulder and Fleet ink sketches. But now I've got 31 sketches, incidentally. And I can make a reward tier on the Patreon where people, if you pledge at this amount, I will mail you one of my Patreon, uh, one of my um, Inktober sketches, right? So this incidental artifact of just doing the thing that I'm doing becomes something that adds extra value to the thing. And that's going to be another challenge in running this Patreon is finding a, a way to balance between making a whole bunch of extra stuff to thank people for their support uh, and looking for the incidentals to be that extra stuff because you don't want it to turn into all you're doing is fulfilling your rewards instead of making the thing that people are supposed to be supporting in the first place, right? And that's where one of the milestone tiers is like, okay, if I break this number, I can make more Boulder and Fleet comics because I can say no to some freelance work, right? Uh, and then the, then the crafting the message, and that goes back to my uh, beginning point of this section of the how am I doing it. Crafting the message was a lot more tricky than I thought. I went through a lot of revisions and iterations to winnow it down to that two-minute mark because uh, you find yourself wanting to explore all of the rationale when really what are you really trying to say is like uh, I boiled it down to is um, what are my credentials, right? How long have I been doing this? What's the new thing that I'm doing that I want to drum up support for? And... Uh, you know, quick explanation of how Patreon works for those who are discovering the video, you know, uh, offhand. And then why, why they should do it. And that's when I, when I close with, if you believe in me and if you believe in the work that I do, I hope you'll consider supporting me on Patreon, which I say now uh, sincerely, you know, if you find value in the stuff I've done through Thunder Punch Daily, comics are great. Lean into art, the comics I've done in the past, uh, I hope you will consider going to patreon.com slash jersey, J-E-R-Z-Y, because uh, it's going to allow me to make more comics for one. But if you're a fan of uh, Thunder Punch Daily, there's going to be a boatload of process stuff put into that creator feed on there. And uh, most of it is not going to be accessible to the public. It's only going to be for Patreon supporters. So um, somebody might say, oh, well, you're putting things behind a paywall. Yes, I am, but not the comic. The comic will always remain free. Thunder Punch Daily will always remain free. Um, but the incidental things collected and contextualized by me, the author, that will be in the, page, the patron-only feed, uh, feed on patreon.com slash jersey. So I think that's a, fair, that's a fair way to do it, right? Like I'm not, I'm not taking away something that I was previously giving away for free. What I'm doing is I'm sort of creating a new service in the collection of the information and creating a channel through which I can uh, communicate directly with the people who get the most out of the stuff that I do. So there you go. That's my thinking in a nutshell on this whole thing. Nutshell? Was this a nutshell? I don't know if this is a nutshell. Let me look at the time on this. Oh my goodness. Yeah, this is a, this is a big nut. This is like five nutshells. Um, 
And guess what? You know, I, I normally say I will be back soon with another Thunder Punch Daily. I will, because in a month we're doing Art Sound Off at leanintoart.com uh, or at artsoundoff.com. And what is that? Go back one episode. Uh, I did a reflection on the previous Art Sound Off where every day for the month of November I check in with a Thunder Punch Daily. So I will, <laughs> either way, if the Patreon gets funded or not, I'm going to be doing a lot of Thunder Punch Dailies in November of 2015. But, uh, whether or not I continue doing them after that will be contingent on reaching the milestones on patreon.com slash jersey. So let me, let me close by saying this. Uh, let's say, you know, like, that's all very nice, Jersey. Thank you for all of the wonderful things that you've done. You're going to say nice things to me at a convention, but you really don't have the $3 a month to throw in on, on a Patreon. Totally get it. Um, I can only support so many things. Uh, but if you can't support it financially, uh, a really, really nice thing you could do is just tweet about it or share it on Facebook or whatever, whatever circles you travel and say, here, here's a thing. This guy doesn't need stuff and uh, you should check it out. Don't, you don't have to tell him to support it. Just say, check out the Patreon because I think there's enough there that it'll, it'll be, uh, you know, it, 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 I think I've put together a pretty good sales pitch for it, uh, but it will change over time. And if I reach my milestones, I will be chronicling the kinds of thinking that I do as I'm changing all this stuff. Uh, I will chronicle that through the Thunder Punch Daily Show. So, okay. I think I'm done. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this show. Uh, and thanks for to everybody who ever comes up to me at a convention or online and says, you know, that they really got a kick out of Thunder Punch Daily. As I've said before, I don't get a ton of feedback on the show. But when I do, it means a lot. Because, I mean, unlike Lena Tar, unlike Comics Great, this particular podcast is really, like, it's just me. Right. Like there's there's nothing for me to hide behind. I can't say like, oh, well, that was that was my co-host. So that was my guest's fault after all. If this one went badly, you know, like it's all on me. So when I get praise about it, I get to take all the praise. And that feels good. OK, so I'll be back soon with another Thunder Punch Daily. And until then, remember, everybody. In today's story, Skeletor was looking for a shortcut, a quick way to riches and power. You may know some people like that, always looking for the quick way to get ahead of everybody else. Well, it doesn't work that way. The people who succeed are the ones who work for what they want. So don't be fooled by those who say they have a sure thing. There's always a catch to it. Don't sell yourself short. The right way is the best way. Until later. Until later.